Hello, and welcome to the Talk Shop podcast, a podcast where we talk shop and learn about different jobs and career paths where you necessarily do not need a four-year college degree. My name is Helen O'Brien, and I am the host of Talk Shop podcast. This podcast is episode seven, and my guest is Zane, who is a millwright apprentice. What is a millwright? Well, join me as we learn together about this career path. Let's get started and talk shop. Hi, Zane. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing great. I'm really, I'm just excited. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, well, you know, maybe we should start in on what is a millwright because, and then we can backtrack a little bit and talk about how you got started. But Okay. You know, there's a lot of people out there, including myself. I've read a little bit about what a millwright does, but I'd like to hear it in your words. Okay, perfect. And actually, just to, to put you at ease, folks in my own union uh, don't exactly know what a millwright is because millwrights were, were included in um, the carpenters union. And, you know, most we all know what a carpenter is. A millwright, essentially, um, before the Industrial Revolution, a lot of the mills and things, um, they were all made of wood. And so a millwright is somebody who would come and write the mill. So if any of the gears, the wooden gears were um, broken or, or, or needed some sort of maintenance, a millwright would come in and fix that. Um, after the Industrial Revolution, we use metal. We use all kinds of, of, of metal, generally ferrous metals. And now that is, we're, we're still doing the same work, but just working with different materials, which kind of changes our approach to that work. And so pretty much anything in any sort of uh, factory or power plant or, I mean, any sort of production um, or service type entity, like we're, we're, we're in there and we're touching that and okay. fixing that. That makes sense. So. So for instance, if there is a piece of equipment, maybe, and it's not um, operating correctly, maybe it's not leveled, maybe one side is sitting lower or something, and then you have to come in and correct it. Does, it, does that sound like something you might do? Or That is one task, but I would say that uh, leveling of, of equipment or certain things kind of spans trades. And what I think differentiates a millwright is, um, in my experience, in my apprenticeship, there's been three factions of millwriting. So there's the millwright that is a turbine hand and works in the power plant um, realm. So that's wind power, hydropower, um, steam power, gas power, and they're the folks who are maintaining any other equipment related to that. And leveling is one of the tasks of millwriting that would happen. There, the second faction is uh, conveyor. So your car plants, your Teslas, your Kellogg's, um, places like that that are mass producing things and use a lot of conveyor and, and stuff like that. Millwrights, we're the ones who, oh, the conveyors suck or it's, it's something's not right, uh, the sensor's off, we're the ones fixing that. And then the third area is in clean rooms. So like Intel or uh, Apple, who's starting to produce their own um, their own I don't know, microchips and things like that for their new products and stuff. We're the ones installing and taking out their, their equipment and making sure that it's running well. Wow. Okay. So then does a millwright specialize in, in one of those three or they just, they learn everything and then how does that work? That is up to the individual millwright though. Um, the journeymen that I respect most um, have always encouraged me to pick like, okay, it's like all of us can be good, you know, kind of good at all this stuff. But if you can really like just zone in on whichever area you really enjoy the most, that's how you're going to maximize and become really invaluable on any job site. Okay. Zane, how did you even hear about this? I mean, let's go back a few years. Sure. You were in high school and um, what happened? Actually, when I was in high school, um, trades and vocation were kind of um, 
at least the impression I got, they were sold to me as something that you would do if you were not academically astute. It's something that you would do if you had no other option and you still needed to feed your family if you're like barely going to graduate. Right. Um, it's and, still going on today. That, yeah. that whole mentality. Yeah. Yes. And it's, it's unfortunate. It really is unfortunate because that is not at all my experience of, of the trades. And unfortunately I um, got into the trades. I was long out of high school. I graduated, uh, dare I say like many years ago, okay. uh, but it, it is very academic. It just also happens to be very physical, you know, but um, it, it definitely you use your brain all day and you use your body all day. Um, but I actually didn't know what a millwright was until probably about five years ago. Um, uh, I was going through pre-apprenticeships and trying to figure out like, oh my gosh, how, what am I going to do with my lot? You know, well, right. my quintessential life. <laughs> pondering or whatever right. um, and I was sent to this uh, organization called Tradeswomen Inc which is here in the Bay Area um, yeah, heard of it yeah um, I was sponsored in to go to um, this this conference that happens every year called women build nations and I was sitting just kind of mingling with folks and this woman I met was kind of like talking to me and talking about my interests and I was expressing like, oh, I don't know which trade I want to go. I don't know if I want to be an electrician, if I want to do this or that. And she was like, well, what do you like to do? And I told her and she was like, oh, you might want to be a millwright. And I said, what do you say to me? What? Well, is that again? <laughs> you know, and she, um, she told me where to go to, to check it out. And to, she was like, this is what you do, request a tour and see if this might fit. This might be the trade for you. And I did, and it was. And what did you say to this woman that made her think, oh, you might want to be a millwright? Well, I told her, I was like, I'm, you know, I might want to be an iron worker because it just really seems like fun and, you know, sling and steel all day could be really cool. But I also, and like welding is, is a thing. I really like to weld, but I also really like math and I like, you know, like planning and layout and I'm, I come from a machining background, so I, you know, that was the, the program that I was, like, in at the moment that I was at this conference was a machining program. I was like, I'm really starting to enjoy this machining, and, but I really like electricity, too. And she was like, oh, well, you, you basically want to do all the trades in one, and that's a millwright. A millwright is all of those things. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Wow, you can do it all. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that. Like, I don't know about it all, but I definitely am one of those folks who's like, I'm really curious about how things work. I'm really curious about um, just all of it. You know, I'm always wanting to learn new stuff and I get bored really easily. And I like to run in 12 different directions instead of one, which is not very productive most times, you know? And so this was a way that I could okay, I can run in all the directions, but it is actually very focused. You know, it was like, it provided the balance for me. Okay. Wow. Wow. That's really cool. I didn't know anything about, you know, you hear different kinds of jobs like a machinist or, um, you know, somebody in that's working somewhat in manufacturing, which doesn't have anything to do, which has a little bit to do with millwright if the millwright's taking care of the manufacturing equipment. But, um, you know, you just kind of assume, well, someone just comes along and fixes it. And we don't know what the name of that person is, but now we do. It's a millwright. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, millwright to me is almost sounds like British. Like it's some kind of <laughs> yeah. person coming along and. and right. <laughs> <laughs> right. 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 Totally. You're an apprentice. Yes. And what year apprentice are you? I'm an eighth step apprentice. So it's a four year apprenticeship. Um, and there are every six months you have an opportunity to move up a step. Um, so there are eight steps. Gotcha. And what's so great about the apprenticeship is you, uh, learn while you earn. Absolutely. Yeah. So you're not paying anybody any money to learn all this. They're paying you. And while you're also learning. So, do you go to, so do you have classes a couple of nights a week or how does that work? Yeah. So it's not a couple of nights a week. The, the structure of the apprenticeship, which 
is really wonderful, you know, like I, um, I don't have any student loan debt, you know, Beautiful. it's been really great. And I'm actually earning college credit for what I'm doing. Oh, great. Um, okay. so, so you have the option within my union to uh, get an associates with the work that with the real, real life work that we're doing. Fantastic. Okay. So every three months we are called in for, for a class. Um, and if you're on a, which gets, which gets weird because sometimes you might be, there've been several times I've been on a turbine shutdown and I'm working 12 hours a day, seven days a week. And really I'm not trying to travel back to the Bay area to, to take a one week class, you know? And so you can request to like be put into the next cycle of that class, which might, depending on how important it is to you, how soon you journey out or, you know, you can, you can push it back if you get permission, but okay. uh, yeah, you, you spend a week of intensive, it's a 40 hour week and you're just learning, 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 and then you go back to work. Got it. So you said eight, you're at your eighth step. Yes. So is that the eighth and final step? This is the final step. Once, uh, you know, COVID has kind of, um, restructured how all of us are doing things right now but once the um once that's back online and we've kind of figured out what's happening with the world you know, take my class and and really it's just a welding cert and then i'm i'm good to go i have everything else and yeah i actually hold office with my union and so i'm, I'm in a good space what kind of office do you hold i'm a delegate for my union very um, nice what does that mean basically um it is my, I'm charged with going to our regional council meetings. And so a regional council meeting is where all of the trades under our union. Um, and again, it's the carpenters union. So there's carpenters, but there's also millwrights and pile drivers um, in, under, under our union. And that's just for collective bargaining um, power, right? The more bodies you have, the, the more power you have. Exactly. Um, and so my job is to go to this, this, this regional council meeting. And so all of these little, little groups of our union called locals, all of these locals come out and um, I'm a representative for my local and we kind of just hear the state of, of labor. We learn a lot about what the labor market is looking like, um, how we can try and get more market share. And by what, I, what I mean by that is um, have more, construction and maintenance job going to people who are in the union so that it is a fair it's a it's a it's a livable wage right uh, versus going to someone who might not have as many skills and is gonna take the work for less um, and then I come back to my local and I'm like okay well this is what's going on in this region and that and at that local and um, these are some 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 takeaways from that and right like a representative basically basically right so um so you're going to be ending your apprenticeship and then what then what's going on for zane what's up next well throughout my apprenticeship i've been um like going to pre-apprenticeships and staying involved with trades women inc to kind of help get more uh women and people of color um just aware of of what's out there and maybe interested in coming and, and joining and if, if it, you know, if it's fits their taste. And so that coupled with a lot of the organizing I've been doing with my, with my union around, you know, job creation and keeping jobs local and stuff like that. I'm going to be taking that and I'm actually in the process right now of applying to be um, a career readiness specialist for um, for a nonprofit organization in which I'm, I'm going to stay in touch with my union and be feeding them, feeding them folks more or less and helping others to, you know, just earn an income that's um, provides a comfortable lifestyle and doesn't require a lot of college debt. Like there's no nothing wrong with college, but if we're real about it, it's, it is not excess as, as it is now. And um, just the structure of how we get to college and this like paradigm of like, okay, you go to high school, college, and then you get a job and house and kids, dog, all that stuff. Like it, it doesn't necessarily fit for everyone. Yeah, and I, I really wish I knew about the trades long ago. You know, I really do. 
Um, and so I want to make sure that other young people know, hey, it's an option. If you're interested, it's an option. And so I think that that's where I'm going to be spending my energy. It's well, and I think that's great that you are spending your energy there because it's definitely an option. And you seem like the type of person that can talk to anyone and they'll listen to you. Right. Um, a lot of times people, you know, kind of flap their gums and, you know, they're kind of saying nothing, but I think it'll be good um, because it's definitely a career. I, I, certainly I didn't know what a millwright does and it, it's something to teach younger people what's out there in addition to, you know, your electrician, your plumber. Cause so many times people think I'm going into the trades and they know of two trades, electrician, and carpenter. <laughs> carpenter, but that's really it. And there's so many different facets and there's so many things that need to be done for our infrastructure just to get everything up and running. People don't realize there's no magic wand that gets waved and, you know, all of a you have this conveyor belt. Well, it doesn't happen that way. Um, in all really noble professions. Absolutely. Yeah. Very no um, very noble. So um, can you talk a little bit about the process of getting into the union? Sure. Sure. Oof. It's um it's something that definitely you have to know that that's what you want to do because the process can be long and it can at times be um a bit disheartening but essentially i think the best way to go about it is to uh if, especially for someone like me who had no sort of construction background whatsoever i think the first first step is to um enter a pre-apprenticeship enter a pre-apprenticeship because that'll get get your your palette wet and you can kind of explore um, the different things that are out there and then it also expands your network off the top you have you have a network of, of, of folks who can plug you into a larger network right right um, after the pre-apprenticeship um, I would because it takes a while to get into the union and, and there is you know like like any industry there's a lot of nepotism and sure. so if you don't know anyone in the union it is you really have to fight your way in you really do um, so in the meantime, I would say something I did was I, um, I worked at, you know, just retail jobs, but I tried to make sure that those retail jobs related to, to the trade. So I worked at a hardware store. It's amazing what you'll learn from, from just, a, you know, like, oh, it's just a hard, I just worked at a hardware store. I learned a lot at the hardware store. Oh, I'm sure you do. I really did. And that, that allowed me to pay my bills while I was also um, in trade school, you know, and, and with trade school, I got OSHA certified. Oh, okay. Then I learned about basic electricity and then, I, oh, now I'm welding, you know, and, and, and just started gradually, I'm machining, I'm doing all of these things and gradually started expanding my knowledge base. So when I took that tour after the woman was like, oh, you want to be a millwright, go, go take this tour, you know, okay. when I did, I was able to say, hey, I've been doing all of these things and it shows like you're vested in this and and um with a pre-apprenticeship if you go the pre-apprenticeship route um while you're training or, or doing whatever other life things you need to do if you go that route a lot of times the pre-apprenticeships will have agreements with the unions and they'll they'll um, save spots and so if you're the top of your pre-apprenticeship and there's four spots for the pre-apprenticeship bam you're in right you know so okay. that that's helpful Oh, that's really helpful. Okay, so that makes sense. It's almost like you have to kind of, it's almost like any job. I mean, you have to kind of show some sort of interest. I love the fact that you worked at a hardware store. I mean, if I was an employer or someone within the union and I was bringing in new apprentices and I saw someone who worked at a hardware store, I'd say, well, this one looks like she means business. Like, you know, it's not like you were working at, you know, some department store or something selling shoes. Oh. You were, even though it's a hardware store and it probably has maybe a very small bit to do with the union that that you're applying to it still shows that that industry is something that you want to get into absolutely and then you learn like 
I learned a lot from just customer interaction. You know, people would come in, I'm doing this, I'm doing this construction project or people who are already in the union, you know, coming in like, oh, I need this, this and that. And like, you learn tools, you learn what you'll learn in your pre-apprenticeship too, but you learn the hardware in and of itself, just like the nuts and bolts, like learning, okay, what's a lag bolt versus, uh, you know, I don't know. There's like, there's a lot, you know, every minute of our lives, we can be learning something that in the moment we might not know it's going to inform or, or be beneficial later. But if we're open to just really taking in any and every experience and really fully experiencing it, like it, I, I feel like it really can propel us in a lot of ways, you know? Oh yeah. And that's a good attitude because you can't rule anything out. No, yeah. Uh, there's some things, yeah, you know, you'd say, okay, well, I don't want to work with children or I don't, <laughs> right. I don't want to work in medicine or I don't want, you know, I hate blood or whatever. Those things you can rule out, but you don't know that you can rule it out until you've done it. And so you try it. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And I, don't, I don't think there's anything wrong. There's actually a, the, so Tradeswoman Inc., their ED, her name is Meg Bassey. There's a running joke with us and it's like, okay. Well, what do you want to do, Zane? What do you want to do? What do you, but they stuck with me. And I feel like for anyone out there who is like, I don't know what I want to do. And people are telling you, oh, you need to focus. You need to get on track. And what are you going to do with your life? Like, honestly, you exploring is getting on track with your life. And exactly what you just said, you don't know you don't want to do it until you try it. Right. And so I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with kind of being like, well, this and then that, and then that, because eventually you'll figure out, Oh, this is, this is me. This is, right. this is where I'm supposed to be, you know? Right. Right. And I think as we, you know, from one job to the next, we kind of evolve a little bit, you, your job, you know, you're always kind of changing, um, in what you're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. And you have to be able to take on that change. Right. And yeah learn more and it's it's funny because some of these movies from the 1950s you know you see these businessmen and they all look the same and that's what all they do their whole life in the movie right but that's not really that's not reality that wasn't reality in the 1950s and it's not reality today yeah people are constantly changing the, the way they move up the chain in even if they stay within the same company their their job is changing they're not they're not going to be working in the mailroom or the accountant or the bookkeeper or whatever for the rest of their lives. It's changing. Maybe they're going to take on a management role, you know, and manage people. I mean, it's, so you have to be ready to take that on. Absolutely. And it's boring, right? To stay, if we're, if we're not, if we're not growing, right. Or, and you know, growth change is like the precursor to growth, right? You have to it experience is. and accept change and and really like dive into it right it can be a crippling thing or it can be something that's like really empowering depending on how we go about thinking about it that is a great quote zane <laughs> that, that um change is a precursor to growth is that what you said something like that that sounds good yeah like basically yeah, well, yeah. you're right you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. So, okay. So let's, we're going back to getting into the union mm -hmm. and applying and we're, you know, you meet new people in the pre-apprentice, you apply, the window opens, right? Isn't there usually a window for, and how often does that window open? So, so it depends on the union that you're applying to. For example, um, stationary engineers, their application only opens every three years. Okay. Oh wow! Millwrights, ours because we're so small. Where there's there there aren't very many millwrights. Like I didn't even know what it was until the lady told me what it was. Right. Right. Um, our application is open, and we just have a like an ongoing waiting list, and the waiting list gets refreshed every year. But there's not like a okay, it's, it's new applicant season, new apprentice season. It's nothing like that. Um, electricians union is different. They have I think theirs is every two years. I'm not I'm not certain. It, that really depends on how many they really need. And I think it's union, it's local based. So it's, um, I know the one here in San Mateo, I think it's, they were doing every year and now they were doing every two years. I think they just based on. Based on the need and, and who retires and all of that stuff. Exactly. So that's, yeah, yeah. yeah, something that like 
you know, folks would have to look up and stuff, but it, it does vary from, from union to union. And then the other thing that they don't tell you is once you get in the union and you sign your book and you are quote unquote indentured, <laughs> that's what it, they, I was like, what? I was reading my stuff and I'm like, I'm indentured. <laughs> what? Anywho, but once you get in, so there's, there's getting in when you're sponsored. So you already have an employer who is the reason why you are now a union member. You happen to be getting a job at somebody who is a signatory, uh, a, a union, um, a company who has promised a union to, to, to pay union uh, wages. Okay. Or <laughs> you go like I did the hard knocks route and you don't know anybody. You don't have any employer that's like, Hey, yes, I want to sponsor this, this girl into the union. And then you sit on the books and um, sitting on the books is not fun. Right. And, and I think that the other piece of that is you have to, the, the, so what happened to me was I signed my books. Okay, great. Put you on the out of work list, which is sitting on the books, but then they give you this sheet that has a list of all of the signatories and their, and their phone numbers and stuff like that. So you've got the list of all the companies that, um, are hiring mill rights or have hired mill rights and, and are part of our agreement. Then it's up to you to go knock on each of each of those companies' doors and be like, "Hello, I'm so and so, and I have you had any experience? Well, no, out, not outside of this training. And like, what jobs? And the first thing everybody asks you is, "Who have you worked for? Who right. have you worked for? You know." And I, when I got in, I hadn't worked for anyone, so it took me five months to get my first job. But after my first job. I they yeah. walking on your door. Exactly. I'm I you can call up my union and they know my name. And that's when you get to a job, just don't worry about what other people are doing. I almost didn't go to my first job, honestly. Like I was terrified. I was like, what am I doing? Like I'm this skinny little black girl. Like it's gonna be like in my mind I pictured like the cast of Sons of Anarchy and you know, and I was like, I'm not strong. I've never worked on a car or really built anything in my life outside of like the exercises in school and in the pre-apprenticeships, you know, and it's really easy to be a part of a program. Like, okay, I turned in my work. I showed up. But then when it comes down to work, it's, it's kind of a different thing, but I'm really glad I did show up because I can do it. And so can anyone else who wants to. That's great. Uh, and yeah, you showed up. I mean, that's half the battle, right? It really is. It, it really is. I, I promise you, I almost talked myself out of it, especially because I was frustrated. I couldn't find the place, you know, and like, right. trying to be on time. And like, oh, I couldn't find it. It was dark, all this stuff. And I was like, oh, what am I doing? Like, whatever. But, you know, you got to quiet that, 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 that negative voice inside and really just lean on your own strengths and, and don't worry about what people on the job think of you or don't think of you and just show up and show out when you get there. Right. Right. Now makes total sense. So when you're talking about what people think of you, tell me outside your being a millwright, when mm -hmm. someone, when you tell someone you're a millwright, I mean, what kind of reaction do you get or how do people respond to you? Number one reaction is what's a millwright. <laughs> and then, uh, the number two reaction is, uh, depending on who I'm talking to, like some folks are like, oh my gosh, like that's so cool and wow. And then, they, you know, the spiral of how'd you get into that and tell me more and stuff. And then um, honestly, like other people, I don't, I don't know, like that's really it. Honestly, it's like, what's a meal, right? Or, whoa, that's so cool. Like, tell me more. That's much right. it. Yeah. About, all, all positive feedback on everybody's that. yeah yeah and i think in today's you know society it's just it's it's more accepting you know like you the people aren't going to look at you and go oh what are you doing as a millwright right i mean you know what i mean it, 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 and then and so many things have been you know oh that's a man's job or that you know and um yeah well, on the job it's that way <laughs> I, is it yeah Still. Yeah, I feel like people are a little less vocal about um, their opinions and thoughts and stuff. But uh, yeah, I've definitely stepped on job. My first job, nobody would talk to me for the first week. Not one person would talk to me. Right. 
not one person would talk to me. And eventually, like once once I, you know, once I started seeing me work and I got to like talk to them and be like, why were you guys like, why, what, what the heck? I'm not, I'm cool. I'm right. a really good company and I'm fun, okay? <laughs> and I'm a good worker. Why, why weren't you talking to me? What's up? What's going on? And, you know, they have all of their, especially now with um, companies and businesses being very aware of um, sexual harassment and diversity and stuff like this. I feel like there is kind of an attitude because it is a male dominated field. There's this attitude of like, Oh, this woman's on the job. She's going to, she's trying to catch a, catch a case or, Oh, like she's only on here for affirmative action reasons because a lot of jobs, they have to have a local, they have to have a person of color, they have to have women. Right. And they get tax credits and all kind of things for that. So it's like, you could show up technically and not someone like me could show up and I could be worthless but they would keep me because I get the tax credit and that's cheaper than firing me and hiring. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? uh, so I don't know, but like talking to them about their attitudes and so, it was really interesting and, and, and opening. I was like, what, <laughs> what you thought I was here to, why would I, that seems like more work than just working. Like, what? Right? <laughs> like, no, yeah. no, that is more work. Pretend. No. Yeah. Forget. It's like, yeah it's like trying to ignore someone when you see them in the mall, you know, you're almost better off just saying, Hey, what's up and keep walking because exactly. more work to ignore someone. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, are you working on a project right now? I'm not working on a project right now. Mm -mm. No, I'm, I've taken some time off and, um, unfortunately my mom was hit by a car at the end of last year. And, uh, that was really, <laughs> that put the family in a, in a, yeah. yeah. So care for her for a bit, and yeah, and um, and then the pandemic hit, and so I'm just yeah, yeah that's nuts. What and um, has there been a project that you've worked on, or while you've been doing the whole apprentice thing, um, that you've found really challenging? Mm. Um, I would say okay. So for millwrights, uh passing your rigging qualifications is like, is basically the same as like passing the bar to be a lawyer, right? You're not a lawyer until you've actually passed the bar, right? And I feel uh, there's so many great millwrights who have just not, we have a 40% pass rate for the, for the exam. And so, oh, I've been, yeah, it, it's, and I don't know if that says more about us as millwrights as a collective or about whoever wrote the, the exams. I'm not really sure there. But um, I think some of the most challenging things for me have been being the signal man or being the, the person who's in charge of the rigging for, for critical picks. Um, What's that, rigging? I got to ask. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so rigging is um, when, you, when you're driving down, driving around the city, and you see the big cranes and you see guys hooking up the hooking up shackles and all kind of stuff and, and picking up big heavy stuff. There's actually a lot of uh, math and physics that goes into picking something up and you have to, there's so many variable factors that you have to literally calculate like, okay, what is, what's the wind speed today? Okay. Uh, what's the height that we're going to be lifting whatever object we're lifting? Okay. Well, what's around us? How do we keep people safe? How do we keep ourselves safe? And what's, what, how much does it weigh? What's it made out of? Okay, well then what, what, um, what rigging um, hardware can I use or can I not use based on what this, this item is? And so mm -hmm. um, being the person to make the call, basically if anything goes wrong, it's on you. It's on you and that's like, <laughs> that can be really. That's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure, you know. But. So that makes sense. I mean, when you talk about it, you know, you, the thing about unions is you, you go by a job site and you see a lot of people standing around and people always say, Oh, you know, labor fakers or whatever. But now you're telling me all this and yeah, I guess you have to, you have to think about the weather and you know, how many people are around or all these different facets. And yeah, physics is very involved. Absolutely. What's yeah. the distance? What's the weight? Where's, where's the weight most concentrated? Is it, is it a, you know, how is it shaped? Because sometimes like one side is a bit bulkier than the other side. And, and what do I have to bring it through? And what equipment do I have available to, to do that? How am I going to do this? You know? Right. 
very specialized. Yeah, it's a lot of fun though. It's like, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's like figuring out a puzzle almost, right? Basically. Different kind of puzzle, yeah. So Zane, um, to be successful in this role, what do you think three qualities are that someone would need to um, go into becoming a millwright apprentice and then eventually a journeyman? Okay, I think the, th the three things that, boom, you're solid. Your attitude above all. The attitude you, you have, if you're, you're willing to learn, most foremen I've talked to and uh, job stewards and, and things, business agents, all of them, field reps, the number one thing they say is that they would rather hire someone with a good attitude that they have to kind of groom and teach than someone who has a poor attitude but knows all the things, you know, and no one knows all the things. But um, so attitude. Second, know how to read a tape measure. Oh, okay. Know how to read a tape measure. Like that's the quickest way to lose a job. Like if you don't, if you can't read a tape, you're, you know, you, you got that's that's a baseline thing for for any, I think any trade, honestly, but um, definitely mill writing. Know how to know how to read a tape. And then, so so saying, do you have to be good with fractions then? Ah, uh, fractions are important. Fractions are important, and I would say don't be intimidated by it. You know. Um, and then maybe I think depending on how you learn and how you take in information, I think just finding the right uh, person or, 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 or right support system to help you kind of understand how it works. Once you get it, you've got it, you know, sure. once you get it, you've got it and like push through the frustration and kind of people have all kinds of ways of explaining how, how a tape goes. And I remember uh, hearing, overhearing, a guy trying to learn how to read tape and I did not understand what the teacher was saying at all like whoever was instructing him I was like what and I was just like no here you go like let's simple keep it simple you know so yeah reading a tape having a good attitude uh and then showing up early yes early to your job I've I've gotten other jobs or had people I, I've, I've been at jobs before my superintendent, you know, and they notice stuff like that. They might not tell you, they might not tell you, but they notice and you'll hear about it later. They sure. Yeah. I've mentioned this on other podcasts too, is, you know, you show up early and that's basically on time. You show up on time and you're late. Yeah. And you show up late and why bother even coming? Absolutely. And this is going to sound like an exaggeration, but it's not. But I would show up half an hour to an hour before any job. And construction, because there are so many people vying for, for your spot, and there's so many people who are, oh, my cousin, my uncle, my dad, and so-and-so, and they can get a job really easy without having to put in the same effort as someone who's, you know, like, oh, I've decided to explore this career and, and, and make this work for me. You have to you have to make yourself seen. You have to show up early. You have to, um, you know, like own your mistake. Like mistakes are going to happen. You know, mistakes are going to happen. Just be, just, you know, just have integrity in your work, have a good attitude and you'll be fine. You'll be just fine. You know, and the thing about showing up for work early now with the pandemic that we're in, I think you would even need to show up even earlier because, you know, you might need to stand in line to get a temperature check or, Absolutely. you know, fill out the form that says, no, I don't have any of these symptoms. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, that it would have to be that much sooner. Yeah. Kind of like, you know, when you go to the airport for a flight, you know, they tell you to show up really, really early and you do. So it's kind of the same thing. Show up to work early. Oh my gosh. And if you have a job, I actually have had um, jobs at the airport, SFO. I was on the team that put in the, the nine miles of conveyor for, for Southwest. Oh, cool. And uh, that was one of those jobs too, you know, just to, just to get to your job from the parking place to you got to get on the air tram and then you got to go through the terminal and then you got to punch in the code and then you walk past the other trades to get to your game. It's like a whole thing. It, it could take easily oh, 15 sure. to 30 minutes just to get sure. from your car to, to work, to be considered right. in time, you know? Yeah. 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 That makes total sense. Show up early. Absolutely. Yeah. Attitude, 
know how to read that tape, show up early, you're good. You're absolutely, you're, you're golden. Whatever you need to learn that people, if you have a good attitude and you're like, have this attitude of I'm willing to learn, people will be really generous with, with what they teach you. you know? Yeah. Yeah. So while you're an apprentice, you are, you're on their benefit plan, right? Absolutely. And you're getting all the benefits. So the health and welfare, your little retirement plan, probably you get some vacation time, yeah. get your regular pay. They're yeah. paying into your disability. They're paying into your workers comp. Absolutely. Um, what about your tools and stuff and, and your clothing? Um, does your, does the union pay for that or how does, how does that work? Uh, my union does not pay for that. Typically, um, it's expected. And as far as I know, this is pretty standard across trades. But as far as I know, they'll they'll give you a um, a list initially, like once you get indentured. Here's a list of all the tools you need, and okay. it it is pretty expensive, you know, to to get everything that you supposedly need, but um it's it's investing in yourself right they'll invest in you once you're on the job and stuff but your tools and a lot of especially for me i'm i'm scrawny i'm so little you know i'm tiny my tools do the work for me like i always thought i had to be strong to be in construction no you just have to know how to use your tools you know and so your tools right. will keep you employed um but yeah you do pay for your own tools you pay for your own clothes occasionally um like some unions like this vest i have on um once you pay your dues, you can like choose like different, I want a hoodie, I want a vest, I want a rain jacket. Um, and you get t-shirts on different projects to commemorate the project. Okay. But, but largely you, your boots, your hard hat and stuff like that, you, you get yourself. Some jobs give you hard hats, but. You're yeah. paying for it. You're paying for that. It's so, worth it though. Speaking of tools, mm -hmm. do you have a favorite specialized tool? <laughs> I do. I do. I have several, but, um, other than the tape measure. Oh no, the tape measure is boring, <laughs> boring. I have several, um, but I did narrow it down. Um, so this tool I learned about when I was working, um, at Intel in the clean rooms, um, it's something it's called an air bearing and it is a tool that would help us move really heavy, heavy equipment that also okay so imagine you get a truck it's got this big old huge box and you gotta get a forklift to get this big old huge box off but the trick is you cannot tip over it can't tip because there's lasers and optics and all kinds of sensitive materials inside it has to be very steady and so once we get whatever it is we're moving into uh, this area, what we call a bubble, and it's like this kind of transition piece from the outside world into the clean room. That is where the air bearing comes in. Uh, yeah. It's like this little cart, and it has a manifold, um, and the manifold has a bunch of different hoses and attaches to these little pads, and they're like, kind of like, you can think of these pads as um, like casters, like caster wheels on the bottom of a cart. Sure. So yeah. Stick these pads underneath. We use like these jacks. You jack up one corner of the machine without taking it too far out of level, and you put a pad under. And once you have, you know, as many pads as you need, <clears throat> typically four, three to four, you turn on the air, and uh, it's almost like you turn this heavy machinery that you're using into like it's like a hovercraft, more or less. It's really cool. Like the air, kind of uh, you can you can move a two ton, three ton object on air, you know, and you just follow it with the cart and um, you just have to be really careful about um, bringing up the pressure of each of the, each of the bearings, like pretty, pretty evenly. Otherwise you're, you know, you, you take your, your machinery out of level, but it's so fun. And it's just like, it's really cool. It's like literally floating this ginormous, whatever, whatever I have. It's, it's pretty cool. I like it. Oh, wow. Uh, it, so the air bearing, is that something before you use it? Is that something that as a millwright, you would have to make sure that it's operating correctly? Oh, any of your tools, even if it's, even if you're just using a, a I don't know, something simple like a, 
a wrench or something like that. All, all tools should always be inspected. You, you have to make sure that um, when you're working uh, for a contractor, you know, they have a customer, whoever you're building, whatever you're building for or repairing, whatever you're repairing for, there's a customer, right? That's, that's right. who's essentially paying, paying your union and consequently your check. Right. And so there is a level of customer service. You can't just go wrenching on stuff. And like, yeah, it's really important that like, okay, do I have the right tool for the job? Okay. Is this tool in working order? You know, and that's something that happens typically in the morning when you're, um, uh, before you go work on anything, you kind of have like, okay, this is the goal for today. This are, these are the teams of people who are going to be working on it, or you might be working by yourself. You fill out your job safety um, paperwork, which includes your, your tool planning and all of that. And part of that is inspecting whatever it is you're using. Okay. It's just good practice, you know, and it's yeah. every day, you know, especially right. with the pneumatic tools, because if a, if a pneumatic line, blows you know it, it it could be dangerous it could be dangerous pneumatic tools tell me is that like the air bearing yes exactly so uh pneumatic tools are, are typically you'll um link those into some sort of some sort of pressurized airline and that's um kind of that's what's powering that tool you you're definitely some sort of high precision crafts person millwrights are precision 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 we work like uh, i would say the only trade that is more precise than millwrights would be machinists okay wow yeah and it's a four-year apprentice it's a four-year apprenticeship okay yeah wow. it's a lot of fun i'm re it's really interesting and if um if there's anyone out there who's just like I don't know, just likes to learn and likes to tinker and likes to go on adventures. You know, I've, I've been a lot of places that I never thought I'd be, you know, I've done projects for folks who I never thought I'd be doing projects for, you know, and it's been really, um, it's been really a point of pride. I didn't think I was smart before I became a millwright. You know? <laughs> I, didn't, I was like, Oh, wow. You know, like, I, I have, my brain's okay. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> you know? And you liked math in school. I, I did. I've, yeah, I like math. I, um, I didn't like school. <laughs> I, I did not love school, but I, I, yeah, I like, I enjoy math and, um, like specifically the geometry. I'm not really into the whole like X, Y, and this and that. No, algebra. algebra wasn't, algebra wasn't like my favorite, like sometimes the puzzle solving, but I, I really like, um, trigonometry the angles of angles and building and like yeah that kind of stuff is really um fun and i think the thing about the trades is it's a practical application to math oftentimes in math classes we're like okay janie and sally were skiing and then like like okay i don't really care like what is how does this connect how how am i connected to this or how does how can i as a young person see how this will be useful to me in any sure. way, you know? Um, and like in the trades, it just, it's like, oh, cool. And it, and it increases your earning capacity. The more you know, well, the, yeah, more, you know the, the more, the more valuable you are and the more you make a name for yourself, you, you won't, you won't have to ride the, the outer work list. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Is there someone that you, that's like a mentor for you or? Mm. There's so many great people that I've met, um, but I would I would say that my very first job, um, I think the 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 folks that I met on that job, I would have to say they they really set me up um, for the rest of my apprenticeship. And I think that had I had a different first um, experience, I might not you know, I might not have stayed with it or the, all kinds of things. But um, I had a foreman uh, who was the brother of the superintendent, the Liao brothers, the Liao brothers from Atlantic Plant Maintenance, APM. Uh, and APM does uh, all the, the turbine shutdown stuff for, for General Electric um, okay. across, across the nation. And um, it's pretty coveted, like, kind of job to have because it's, you know, you're working 12 hours day seven days a week there's per diem over time all that stuff and it's extremely specialized 
and that happened to be my first job. Um, and I think that they really, once they started talking to me, they really, um, you know, like they helped me to know like what really matters. And, and anytime I had a question, they were always there. And then they also held me to a high standard. You know, I remember one time we were taking off a shell on, on one of um, the turbine decks and you have to, you need a person at every corner to measure. And I didn't have my, my tape was in my box. And they told me, they're like, get off the turbine deck. You're useless right now. You know, it's a little gruff. And, and, and uh, that was, that was a nice way of what they told me, but it's, you know, the language and stuff is gruff in construction, but I never forgot to always have my tape on my person after that, you know? So um, I, I would say that the Liao brothers definitely have been my construction mentors. Tradeswomen Inc., Meg Vassie, Meg Vassie, Esther Polk, and uh, Susie Safuye, who, who retired recently, they really, really, really go the distance for women who are interested in joining the trades. Um, and they connect you to, I mean, they, the, the resources they have, like, and the generosity, they're just, I would say, Tradeswomen Inc. and, and my first, um the atlantic plant maintenance yeah yeah sorry i'm like <laughs> rambling a bit but that's okay no that's okay well um i think that's probably about all the time we have that we've been talking for quite a bit and this has really been interesting i mean this is as i mentioned earlier it's not something that you know um i knew a lot about and um it's definitely an area i mean i can see where a lot of you know, people could definitely qualify for this. I mean, that whole high precision thing. And um, it might, you know, it's definitely something that people would be interested in. And like I said, nobody really talks about it. No, there's so many careers out there that I learned about as an adult. Like, yeah. I never knew it like this totally left field, but actuary, I was like, wait, what? What's an actuary? Like, you know, and like, that's a whole career. I'm like, why didn't that people need to tell me about more stuff when I was younger, you know, I there's know. so much out there. There's something for everybody out there. Absolutely. There really is. Yeah. You just have to figure out what it is. And sometimes you have a couple of different careers, you know, you have one and it leads you into another and, and then that into something else. But or you create your own or you create your own. Maybe you're that person and you, you know, you Exactly. You innovate, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, all right, Zane. Well, I want to thank you for joining me today on Talk Shop. And um, this has really been great. And, you know, thanks for taking the time out to, to talk. And um, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. It's been good. It's been good. Thank you for joining our Talk Shop podcast today. You can also follow on Instagram and Facebook at talkshop.podcast. Show notes from today's podcast can be found on my website. And until next time, stay curious and keep moving.